Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Millman. I will be joined in a moment by my BFF, my companion, my compadre, the man who I missed so much while I was out this week. Later in the show, that his name is Simon Hunter. Later in the show, later in the show, we're going to have, and when I say later, I mean like in the next 60 to 90 seconds. Uh, Action Network NBA analysts, my co-hosts and co-partners on Heat Check, the NBA, the NBA pregame betting show that we do twice a week on Action Network, uh, Matt Moore, Justin Fan. There's a lot of NBA talk, and I'm loving the NBA playoffs, as we all know. Uh, right now, the Suns, it's uh, Tuesday afternoon. The Suns are up 3-2. The uh, Milwaukee Bucks are up 2-1, and they are playing tonight. So many of you will be listening to this after the game is played, which is totally fine. Simon, I missed you when I was on vacation. Did you? Did I you? Did. I did. <laughs> yeah, I, did. I missed you too, man. I, and we have to dive right into it because a little old friend hit me up this week, an ex- and she'd been listening to our show, Chad, while you were on break. And I had to put out some fires. Is it the ex that broke your heart? The ex who uh, has decided to move on with her life? And the ex who is now thinking, why is Simon on a podcast talking about our life, our love life, and uh, going out with other women? <laughs> All is true. Yes. And she's not doing a good job moving on, but. She said I came off sounding a little shallow when I described her. And now she's in a bitter place. I think I was just a little upset. I told her she's a strong, beautiful woman. She's smart. And, you know, I hope what's best for her. But on this show, you know, we're going to talk, Chad. And uh, you're going to ask me about my life. I'm going to tell you what's going on. So, yeah, it was it was a little tough for her. But I just want to say to my good friend that, you know, she lives. You know, I don't want to put her name out there, but she keeps hitting me up and, uh, I will not talk about her or my relationship with her anymore. I promise. Now that she's listening to this. Unless is there potential for reconciliation? Oh, Chad, you know what went on. But no, I don't think it's going to go past what happened a couple of days ago. Old friends who are lovers become friends again. I think we're both just going to try to like move forward. But I don't know, dude, I can't get rid of her. and She can't get rid of me. It's love is a mysterious thing. and No one gets it. In due time. 
in due time, Simon. But oh. I'm not going to let you off so easy here, Chad. What is my name again? Simon Hunter? Is there a more British name? Hello, Simon. Right. And now I'm sitting here on your podcast when England is taking on Germany, right? This is World War II, Chad. And you have me on your podcast during the biggest moment in England history to talk about what? Basketball? I'm going to talk basketball right now. What does a British lad know about basketball? England's up one nothing over Germany right now. England is up one nothing over Germany right now. You want to know something else that's cool? I had a meeting this morning. It was with an accountant. It was someone who I hadn't, uh, I'd never really met before. At the end of it, he asked if uh, there were going to be crypto investments in my portfolio. And I said, yeah, I have some right now. And he goes, what about the future? I go, I don't know. He goes, well, I know what the Action Network is. And you know, I know that you guys talk a lot about crypto. So I was just curious. And so I think it's appropriate that we have Fan on, Justin Fan and you and Matt Moore, because this is a crypto punk love and crew. And I just thought that was interesting that we had a fan out there who I did not know, who because we were meeting and he knew of the Action Network, he was asking me about my investment in crypto. Are you buying the dip, Chad? I can't decide. What do you think? Should I? Wait a little, wait a little longer until we see what happens here. Because as someone that has a lot of money in crypto, I'm with people. I'm a little scared about the U.S. government banning it. So I think that's what the fear is right now. People are selling off in mass portions because it's a little scary right now. All these different countries are banning it, and some countries are trying to turn it into their currency. So my advice would be to you is uh, keep waiting. What does Fan say? Fan's a big crypto guy. Does Fan have thoughts on crypto right now? Justin Fan, before we get to the NBA. No, I'm all in. I, I bought the dip. I bought a bunch, a bunch of you know Bitcoin at 30k, went in 31k, and uh, bought a bunch of Ethereum. So um, I'm buying apes. I'm buying CryptoPunks. I'm buying all these NFTs too. So we're all in. I expected nothing less from Justin Fan. <laughs> I love that about him. All right, let's get to the conference finals right now. My first question is let's talk about the Suns and the Clippers because that to me is this the more interesting matchup. A lot of drama in this series for a series that seemed to be dominated by the Suns. I'll start with you, Matt Moore. Um, you've made predictions. Are you standing by your predictions? Uh, give me your take on the series and what do you think happens next? I like Clippers plus two and a half wins that cash last night, plus two and a half wins in the series. So as long as they got two wins in the series, I was good at series win spread. I got that after game two. I actually, I like the Suns in game four and I like the Clippers in game five and I like the Suns in game six. So something to keep in mind here, I looked at the data just before we went on this pod and last night, the Clippers in this series had the best differential between their expected effective field goal percentage and their actual. So what happened was they shot the lights out. They just shot the absolute freaking lights out. And that's going to happen sometimes in a series. You're going to get those kind of breaks, especially with a high variance team like the Clippers. The Suns offense has underperformed. And I think that's the concern that I think everyone's having. I'm a little surprised the line is as short. It actually opened with Suns as a dog last night, which I, I was a little surprised at. Uh, without Zubac, without Kawhi, Suns opened as a dog last night. That's when I grabbed it. Now Suns are minus one. I do think that as the series goes on, um, and really I just think it ends next game, the Suns will have one game where the offense plays to expectation. They will figure out a couple of things. There are some things they need to do better, but overall I do think the Clippers have given their best effort. I thought that was a really gutsy win, but I don't think they can get two more. Matt, Matt Moore just said one thing. He thinks the offense for the Suns 
can play at expectation. Oh my God. Goal, Harry Kane. That's two nothing England. Holy shit, Chad. We've lost Simon Hunter. Simon might not come back, which is totally fine. I can appreciate this. Uh, I want him to enjoy his Euros experience. Chris Paul has not shot well. Last night he shot okay. Devin Booker has not shot well. The offense Holy has not performed particularly, <laughs> performed particularly well. <laughs> dude, can you believe this right now? England's being Germany 2 nothing, dude. Holy shit. Let me ask you a question before we get to fan. Did you bet on this one? Are you fucking kidding me? Of course I bet on this, but we can lose for the next 50 fucking years. Dude, Germany bombed my nan in London. She lived in a subway for two years, dude. Even though I drive a BMW, we hate Germany. <laughs> we hate Germany. Holy shit, dude. Two nothing England right now. This is You're fucking getting crazy. revenge for the Blitzkrieg in a Euro Cup match. Yeah, it only took us 100 years to get back to him, but oh my God. This is crazy right now. Two nothing. Did you bet on England to win this game or did you bet on them to win the Euros? Win the game in the Euros, but like, I, it's not like I have a lot of money, dude. It's fucking pride. I mean, this is like, like, I can't believe what's happening. And, I mean, I'm English, dude. England, everyone thinks the worst thing's going to happen because it rains every day in England. It's just built into our personalities. I, I can't even imagine what's happening. Like, the, England might be burned to the ground as we speak. People must be going mental over there. I can't even imagine it. Speaking of burning to the ground, Phoenix is hot. Fan. What do you think of Phoenix's offense right now? And can it get untracked if they end up advancing or can they advance if they continue to play bad offensively? I think the Suns offense is a dumpster fire. And I don't agree with Matt that it's easily solvable. Um, you look at just the trends of their shot quality over the course of the series. They, the, the number of wide open threes they're, hit, they're, they're getting per game has gone down and down and down. It went from 14 in game one to down to six um, last night. So, uh, I mean, I got to give so much credit to Ty Lue. I mean, he's coming out with this 2-1-2 zone that's really throwing the Suns offense for a loop. The Suns offense has devolved into Chris Paul and Devin Booker ISOing and taking tough jumpers, tough fadeaways after one after another, right? And Tyloo's just been ahead of the curve every step of the way. Literally, I think he coached almost a perfect game last night. Um, I mean, you know, he DeAndre Aiden had nine paint touches overall against a, a, a Clippers team without Avika Zubac. That's really incredible. Like when I first heard the Zubac news, I was like, they're done. The Clippers are, I mean, the Clippers are done. They have no one to guard DeAndre Ayton and they somehow managed to limit him, you know, to just nine paint touches overall. So, um, yeah, I, I thought um, Tyloo did a masterful job, you know, that two, one, two zone hiding DeMarcus Cousins on defense, exploiting Devin Booker as a point guard, closing off driving lanes, uh, forcing Abdel Nader and Torrey Craig to beat them from the corners. I mean, he did really everything uh, that you could ask for him. And um, I'm I'm legitimately concerned about the Suns offense, where it's at. After last night, you, you're saying you think there's good value on the Clippers because it is three to two. Like you're like, we're talking as if it's, you know, it's a it's like a close series, but it's one of those where I thought that was just a throwaway game, right? The Clippers came out, they were unbelievable shooting. Everything just went right. And everything kind of went wrong a little bit for the Suns. Like we saw Chris Paul, he's just not hitting those mid-range shots right now. So it's one of those where, it's a little scary the next two games. Are the Suns really going to play that bad again the next two games? Look, we have this perception, I think, that the Suns are the better team. They've been outscoring the series by 17 points. Let's get that straight. The Clippers have been the better team overall, I think, in this series. 
um, we we saw that rock fight, um, you know, at, at the end of one of the games where the, the Clippers could have easily won that game if they they had dozens of chances to to pull out ahead and and, and come back and, and get that one. So they could easily be up in this series too. So uh, this perception that there's like some gulf between these two teams, I think, is is a is incorrect. All right, Matt Moore, I know you want to say something because you're making a whole bunch of faces. You're either completely incredulous about what Fan is saying or you're having a stroke, which is totally cool. If you're having a stroke, just raise your hand because I just want to finish talking and we'll get you some help. Number one, I completely agree with Fan about the way the Clippers are being coached. Not only is uh, DeAndre Ayton not getting many touches, but at the end of the game, every single time last night, the sun started to make it close the ball would go into Aiton in the paint if he was lucky enough to get it. And there were swarms of people around him. He could not get a clean touch. He could not get a clean shot off. It was really kind of remarkable how the Suns, when they would seem, seemingly get momentum, could not close the gap. And the Clippers gave them so many chances. They made so many bad fouls, so many opportunities to have four-point plays, five-point plays, six-point plays. The Suns couldn't do it. So I agree with Fan on that, number one. Um, number two... Matt, why are you so incredulous when in reality, this is, this is great gambler's logic because right now the difference in this series is a miracle lob from Jay Crowder to, to DeAndre Hayden. That's it. Like the Suns are up 3-1 going last night, but if not for that, they might be down 3-1 at this point. So, or 3-2. So give, give me your incredulity defense. So I think a lot of this is the Clippers probably should have won that game too, but they didn't, they didn't win that game. I, I actually asked the books about the differential and what the series price would have been on between after game two, if Aiden had not hit that game winner versus when he did, it was 750 points of, of value differential between on the series price line between winning game two and losing game two. So that was a huge swing. Like that was a huge leverage position. And that I agree with Justin that, well, okay. I think that, that these two teams have been very even. I don't agree with Justin that the Clippers have, have clearly been the better team. That's not accurate. The Suns are up three, two, the Clippers have struggled offensively as well in this series. I agree with them on the shot quality. A lot of this has to do with, okay. So the shot quality is in part because they do not get the ball to Aiden enough. Like Justin mentioned, like only nine paint touches versus that two one. They can figure out the two one two zone. They don't, and that's something that can be corrected. So this is an interesting question, right? And this is what we get to a lot in the playoffs: is the the advantage is there, the matchup adjustment is there. Are you going to take it, Mike Budenholzer? Mike Budenholzer, are you going to take it? Like that's where we're usually asking that question. They can get Aiden more involved in lobs if Zubach isn't in. They can get Aiden more involved in the role if 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 Zubach isn't in, and he's going to be limited even if he does play next game. They still have a huge advantage with Aiden. The Sarich minutes, which were great early in the series, have cooled off. But do we really trust Demarcus Cousins to play these minutes and not get exploited even with a two-one-two? They can figure out the two-one-two pretty easily. That's not a problem for them to adjust to. It does take teams a little bit of a time. If you look back the last couple of seasons, teams plays in the zone, they struggle for a little bit. They spend some time working on it and then they figure it out. Paul will hit some more of those mid-range jumpers. Booker has had a couple of bad games, I think, because the defense has been good, but he'll hit enough of them. I'm not saying the Suns are going to run away with it, but they got to win one game because of that eight and switch over. And then we're done here. They're going to get this next game. I feel pretty confident in that fact. So 
So, so a couple of things here. I, I think the coaching discrepancy here is pretty. Oh my! God. I don't. I don't think Monty Williams coached a bad game. I just think Ty Lue is exceptional. Like he he oh. micro manages everything. So you look at the start of the second half. The the Suns went a little bit of a run. The Clippers' offense was stagnant. I mean, Terrence Mann was getting the ball a lot. He was driving just with the intent of passing. He was a liability offensively. I texted. One of my friends was like, Terrence Mann needs to be more aggressive or needs to figure this out or this Clippers offense is going to score it all. Literally a couple minutes into the half, Ty Lue subs out Terrence Mann for Nick Batum. And that's where that run, that's where that big run starts right away. Nick Batum finishes a plus 18 in that game. I think Terrence Mann was like a minus six. Like he's micro adjusting the little things during the game. Even when the, even with the matchup stuff, right? He knows that with the, without Zubac, you cannot win against the Sun style. You can't win big versus big. So what he's so what he's doing? He starts the game small with Marcus Morris at center. The minute DeAndre Aiden comes out, he puts Boogie in mm-hmm. against Dario Sarge. Right? Boogie is not a good player, not a player you want to play a ton of minutes. But against Dario Sarge, he will eat in that matchup. The minute Dario Sarge gets subbed out, DeAndre Aiden comes in. Boogie's off the floor. The, just the little things, minute by minute, rotation by rotation, giving them different looks, the 2-1-2 two, two zone, going back to man, Ty Lue has nailed <laughs> in-game, in-series adjustments. I don't I, – I would love to hear your counter on this, Matt, because literally there is – Ty Lue won them that game with all these adjustments. I, I, don't, I don't hear any defense for that. Can I go, Chad? Go, go for yeah, it. Yeah, let me just say one thing before you do. I love how Fan is going on a Ty Lue is an amazing coach rant and giving all the credit in the world to Ty Lue, but just notice one thing. It was Fan who texted a buddy and said, something's got to happen with Terrence Mann. And then two minutes later, it was Ty Lue following Justin Fan's advice and figuring out how to get Terrence Mann out of the game for Nick Batum. So in reality, Justin Fan is the best coach of the Clippers. No, no rebuttal, no rebuttal. Matt Moore, go ahead. Yeah, it's a real genius move to take one of the guys that's been the actual difference maker and that everyone was saying Terrence Mann needs to play more in games one through four. Everyone's been saying that. Terrence Mann is unstoppable. Congratulations that he made that adjustment for Batum, who he should have been playing earlier in the series. By the way, we never talk about the fact that Ty Lue keeps getting himself in situations where he's down. Let's also talk about this. Lue's Lou's reputation is entirely built off of the Cavs series. That's where all this is coming from. And because they made that run in 2018, which was largely about how bad the Eastern Conference was. Let's not get carried away with Ty Lue as a genius. Oh, but he played Boogie Cousins. He has two bigs left, Justin. He only has two centers to rotate. He has Marcus Morris and DeMarcus Cousins. That's all he can do. Lou's a good coach. I'm not. I'm not saying he's not a you good. You can coach. play. Bo- he did not play Boogie against DeAndre Aiden at all. That's what I'm saying. You have two centers, but you, he chooses selectively when to play him. It's 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 completely. But the Sarge, you know? but the Sarge Cousins minutes got destroyed earlier in the series. Cousins over the long term, he's going to have games where he's going to eat. I like that adjustment. I like playing Cousins. I liked it earlier in the series. However, you're not going to win it every single time out. Like, that's not going to win every single time out. There's going to be times when Cousins misses the little turnaround jump shots or they bring help and he turns the ball over. And then he's still going to get cooked on the defensive end. And if they're cooking him on the defensive end, which has been the big the big change here, then that entire equation changes because you're trading Cousins two-point attempts, which aren't pre- probably going to be very efficient for Sun's three-point attempts. There's a lot of adjustments that Williams can make. Now, I'll agree. I, I think that Monty Williams has shown 
a little bit of a struggle. Like he's really struggled to, I think, to make the adjustments in this series. I'm not disagreeing that Ty Lue has been a really good coach. Like the record speaks for itself in terms of closeout games or being closed out backs against the wall. I do think, however, we're going a little bit overboard based off of a situation in which they were up against the wall, about to be eliminated, shot 11% better than they're expected. Like, Again, close series. I thought it would be close. I said there was value on the Clippers win spread to start the series, but we're going too far the other way now. And like we're, we're whiplashing when the Suns went up. Everyone was like, oh, this is done. It's that's all I heard from my action colleagues yesterday. Chad was, oh, this is done. It's over. Get these guys out of here. And I was like, I kind of like the Clippers. Now, I got scared when the Zubosh news came down, but I didn't buy back on the other other side because we tend to, we're just whiplashing back and forth on this. Don't get caught up in that. The yeah. Suns have been a great team throughout these playoffs. They have more adjustments than they're Okay, healthy. hold on. Matt Moore, let Fan have his have his say, because I do want to get to the to the Bucks Hawks, even though it's a less passionate series for sure. But I do want to set up some final stuff. So Fan, you can have your final say on this. Yeah, well, here's where I'm at. I just think this whole notion that Chris Paul and Devin Booker are the same players they were earlier in the playoffs is a mistake. I mean, Chris Paul recovered from COVID. Devin Booker broke his knows in three places wearing that mask struggling with it i just don't think you can have that same level of expectation that's just like regression they're going to start hitting those shots and those are tough shots to begin with um and yeah i mean with the Ty Lu stuff i, I just want to touch on that i've criticized Ty Lu. he's made mistakes in the early games of series game in the first round started vika zubach for two games while luka Doncic torched him took him two games to realize you got to start small Start with Marcus Morris. The Jazz series, right? He played Rajon Rondo 18 in the final 21 minutes of game one. Played Terrence Mann less than a minute in game two. He's made mistakes, but just looking at the body of work, I really think there's a method to his madness. I mean, he's throwing stuff up against the wall the first two games of the series, seeing what sticks, and then making the necessary adjustments from there. Like, we've seen this three series in a row now where he's done that, and you can't really argue with the results. So I just think looking at this series where Chris Paul and Devin Booker are at, where Ty Lue has the in-series in-game coaching edge over Monty Williams. Monty Williams playing Abdel Nader, who hasn't played in four months for no reason. Abdel Nader playing nine minutes over Torrey Craig, like makes no sense. Like he's doing, he's making those little mistakes. Ty Lue is capitalizing, capitalizing on them. Don't let them win this next game because... Uh, if they win this next game, the Clippers, I like them to win the, win the series. All right. So this is what's interesting to me. There obviously are odds out for each matchup of the finals, the eight possible matchups uh, for each, how each series will end, right? Bucks to beat the Clippers, Hawks to beat the Suns, Suns to beat the Bucks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I want to quickly, Simon, first, how's... Uh, World War Three going on. Uh, well, I'll just quickly touch on uh, professionals I've talked to. A lot of them have hit the Clippers last night. A couple of them hit the Clippers before the game small. And they've kind of had the same view that Justin has here of that. The Suns have just been more fortunate. But like they say, like I said a couple of shows ago, it's this is like the old story on Chris Paul. These are just the like three one has just been a dagger. I mean, you can never close out these matchups three one. And I don't know. I just think of what Justin's saying. I I just bet on the Clippers. I think there actually is pretty good value at plus 400. So I, I'm with him on that. But uh, yes, England won 2 nothing. Chad. All is wow. right. Wow. I know. So 
Not that I'm, I'm not upset anymore that I did this show. I feel like you're my good luck charm. Because literally the minute I sat down here, we scored two goals. So thank you, Chad, for everything in life. Well, you know, a lot of people have said that about me. Uh, <laughs> Hawks, uh, Hawks, Bucks, Trey Young injured. We don't know what's going to happen. The Bucks ran away with that game in the final quarter after Trey Young was injured. Uh, it has been a relatively even matchup through that. So now it's Bucks up 2-1. Do we think that the Hawks have a shot if Trey Young is playing at 85% or less? Have you guys ever seen a superstar get hurt from a referee before? Like, is this, I, I can't remember ever seeing anything like that. What What is happening? The ref was like in a normal position too. It was just like a freak accident. Was like he? Okay. The ref in that, in that scenario, right? It was just, it just happened. It was like, yep. it's really unfortunate, obviously super unlucky, but. Why not off to the back. side though? Like, why not? Like he was right behind him. I don't get why he didn't have an angle. I don't like, why did he line up right behind a guy who's, it was just weird how he lined up right behind him with the ball. You said that's normal. I don't know. It just like it looked weird. Like I haven't seen that before. No, no one's got an answer for you, Simon. I got nothing. Like it's just one of those th- weird things that that occurred. Like my it's understanding is like accident. he was in a position. But what do we think about the Sears? Is it over? Like, or should we be looking at what the prices are for Bucks against the Clippers or Bucks against the Suns right now? I mean, you look at that fourth quarter. I think that's a preview of things to come, right? Where that fourth quarter where the, the Hawks were like four points in the last 552, I think it was. Trey Young doesn't have that explosiveness, allows the Bucks to play that switch a lot more that they that they showed in in, in that last game. And I would feel more optimistic about the Hawks' chances of salvaging this if Bogdan Bogdanovich wasn't playing on one leg. Yeah. I mean, he's he's cooked, man. I mean, he, he moved a little bit better last game, I would say, but still, I mean, he, he cannot create beat guys off the dribble, even shoot, uh, you know, clean jump, jump shots at this point. Right. So he's that other safety valve, that other outlet. If Trey young is in quite a hundred percent, he's that guy that needs to step up and carry that offense. He's not capable of that. He's still playing that through that sore knee, still clearly limited. So, they're running out of options, man. Their wing, their wing options are so depleted right now. No DeAndre Hunter. You can't really play Tony Snell or Solomon Hill that that much. Um, you know, Bogdan's playing on one leg. It's it's rough, man. So without Trey Young, it's like Lou Williams, point Kevin Herter. Um, man, it, it's it's rough. It's rough out here for for Atlanta. Just a a terrible terrible injury for for Trey. So Matt Moore, right now. You can get Bucks to beat the Clippers at plus 700. You can get Suns to beat the Bucks at plus 165. You can get Bucks to beat the Suns at plus 125. And you can get Clippers to beat the Bucks at plus 1300. Which one of those to you presents the best value? I mean, I think the best value probably just because of the number has to be bucks to beat Clippers based off of getting that high of a number. I, I like the Suns to win the series, but that's the shortest number that you're going to get. Like, I like both of those positions. Uh, I already have a bucks to beat Suns ticket from two rounds ago. Uh, I love this matchup for either one of these teams. Uh, if we look back at the bucks, the two teams that they've lost to the last two seasons, the Toronto Raptors with an absolutely elite defense, able to throw a million different looks out at them. They built a brilliant defensive scheme with Nick Nurse. The Miami Heat copied a lot of that and threw in zone last year with Eric Spolstra. There isn't a defense remaining that's at that level. 
there just isn't. The Suns is the the best remaining. And we're seeing it. Like, if you can't defend at a high level, Giannis is just going to run through you like a freight drain. Uh, he is just a monster right now. Nobody can build the wall. Like, the Clippers certainly can't. Even before the injuries, this defense is not very good. Uh, the Suns' defense is better. And I have, a, I'm trying to wrap my head around what it's going to be like when Giannis is ISOing versus Aiden, but I don't think Aiden has the foot speed. Um, Chris Melton, Drew Holiday, honestly, should they both have some of the, the worst shooting performances versus expectation in the playoffs already? Now that's been a consistent trend with the Bucs, but I think overall, I think there's great value on the Bucs to be either one of those teams because I think the Bucs are clearly the best remaining team and are best balanced on both sides of the ball. So fan, separate question. Let's say that it ends up being the Suns and the Bucks in the finals. Right now you're getting Giannis at about, what is that? Uh, minus 115, plus 115 to be MVP. And you're getting, looks like uh, Devin Booker at plus 300. But I can get Chris Middleton at plus 1600. I can get DeAndre Ayton at about plus 2100. What's CP3? Why would I... Plus twenty three. Why would I not start betting those if that's what I think is going to happen? If those, if it's going to be the Bucks and the Suns, I wouldn't presume that just yet. I, I would be betting the Bucks side. Um, I, 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 pro, I mean, Middleton makes some sense, but I mean, they do have a lot of options in Jay Crowder, Mikhail Bridges, Tory Craig to throw out throughout his way. So. I think it it sets up really well for Giannis to be that guy, assuming the Bucks go to the finals. The value in the market in terms of the Western Conference series right now is on the Clippers, even though I'm not saying they're going to win the series, but I just th think the value is, is with them right now. So I wouldn't be betting really suns anything at this point. I think they're a little bit overpriced. Um, so uh, if you're looking at MVP futures, I'd probably just look at Giannis, but I think he he's, that's a, that's a good price on him already. So not sure there's a ton of value there overall. Their finals results. That's the better price right now. If you like the Clippers, like taking them plus 700 against the bucks or taking them against um, uh, like the, just the Clippers beating the bucks. Either way, if, if you like the Clippers to come back against the Suns, that's where the value is not taking the plus 400. Like I said earlier, that's definitely a way better number because it kind of feels like we know Atlanta's not getting through. The funny thing is we talked two weeks ago and, Chris Maddox kind of poo-pooed me when I said, should we take Chris Paul to be MVP? Because his value was crazy. It was like, what was it, Chad? Was, was it 15 to 1 or 20 to 1? It was something crazy like that for him to be finals MVP. So it's one of those where I'm, I'm thinking too about that because I have a son's future and I have that bet where it's like, these are things I'm going to have to hedge out. But I'm just going to keep waiting. I'm going to wait until game seven to really start sweating that because I'm hoping Matt Moore is right. I'm hoping this is over because if the Clippers do win this I, next game, it, it yeah. is they're definitely losing game seven, the Suns. I am I'm heavily leveraged on the Suns to win the West. So I'm very pro Suns at this point. I have <laughs> eight to one to win the West, five and a half to one to win the West, um, a couple others too. So um, I, I'm hoping the Suns hold on. Uh, but Tyloo is giving me a sweat. And, you know, he, Matt mentioned 10 and two as a coach in games when his team has a chance to be eliminated. Best in NBA history. I mean, now do Doc Rivers. Now do Doc Rivers. <laughs> Doc, Doc Rivers. 29 losses with a chance to clinch a playoff series. Most losses by a coach in NBA history. And I, I think it's so funny how this worked out where the Clippers of old 
were that team when when things got tough, when the the stakes got high, they not only folded like a chair, they self-imploded in spectacular fashion, right? And you know, their coach Doc Rivers ends up leaving, going to Philadelphia, and the Clippers are pointing to them like that was us. That was us. That was us. That we were the team that when things got tough, we folded and we collapsed. We blew a big lead, right? And I mean, the difference between Doc Rivers and Ty Lue ha- has been, you know, just I don't know. It, it's 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 massive. It's the difference um, between this 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 year's Clippers team and last year's Clippers team, honestly. Well, look, Fan wants the Suns because he's invested. Moore wants the Suns because he's invested and he hates Ty Lue. Simon Hunter wants the Suns because he's invested. I want the Suns because I'm a Chris Paul fan and I'm a fan of people who have long careers and perform at very high levels, getting an opportunity to play for a championship. Uh, So it feels like we're all going to be Suns fans and we're all going to be on the edge of our seats as we see the Suns try to close this thing out uh, later in the week. Justin Fan. All this, all this, by the way, all this Clippers talk, all this Ty Lue, um, me pumping them up is just like me preempting like an emotional hedge just because just to prepare myself when I burn my eight to one, when I burn my five to one tickets. Um, it's just me preparing myself. It's, this is just there. Nothing makes me happier when, than when Justin Fan admits to Ajita emotion and worry. That is something that I always look forward to. You can get more of this if you watch Heat Check on uh, Action Network HQ, uh, usually Tuesday and Thursday evenings during the playoffs, um, around seven o'clock usually. Matt Moore, Action Network Senior Analyst, Simon Hunter, my friend, my BFF, my lonely hearts. Thank you for being on the podcast. This has been the favorites podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. We will be back on Thursday with the Thursday Thunderdome. Download us from Apple Podcasts, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Till next time. Love you.